Great to see you guys. I want to say hello right now to all of our campuses. Thanks for being with us today and also those who are with us online. Thank you for joining us. And our prison ministry. Give it up for those guys too. Merry Christmas. Glad you're with us. We're so glad you joined us. And I love Christmas time. It's so much fun. But I got to be honest with you. This year is taking it up a notch for us in the Cornelius family because this year we have a Christmas baby in our home. And so my little granddaughter, Everly, is as cute as can be, and I am loving it. So we're having so much fun with her. She's just amazing. She's incredible. Now when people ask me, how are your kids? I'm like, who cares? Everly is all that matters now. I mean, we, who cares about the kids? I mean, you know, we just want the, the grandbaby. I'm telling you, she's incredible. But, you know, right now everything's about her. You know, so we've got, you know, clothes for her for all the holiday. You know, every little thing she has a new outfit for, you know. And, I mean, she changes outfits more than Madonna. And so, you know, we always have new outfits on her, and she looks incredible, and we have gifts for her. I mean, it's all about the baby, right? Well, in the same way, Christmas is all about a baby as well. And so we are here to celebrate the birth of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. All about that baby. When you think about it, it's incredible because this baby, now think about it. God could have sent his son and he could have been a full grown man. But he didn't do that. God could intimidate us easily if he wanted to. But I've never seen anyone scared of a baby, right? No one goes, oh, a baby. No one does that. You know, a baby is so tender and so soft because Jesus didn't come to scare us. He came to save us. But yet this baby, think about this for a second, this baby is minuscule yet mighty. I mean, think about that, a fetus yet a force. It's incredible when you think about an infant yet the infinite, a baby yet a king. There's a scripture that actually mentions this 700 years before Jesus came. It was prophesied in the book of Isaiah. Would you stand your feet with me real quick? And we're going to read the word together. Would you stand your feet, all of our campuses right now? We're going to put the scripture on the screen. And let's just start off with this scripture and let's read it together. Here we go. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Father, I pray that you'd bless this message. I thank you, God, that we get to share your word today. And Lord, we just thank you that you did send your son and that child changed everything. I pray that you would change our hearts through your word today as we celebrate the birth of your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So glad you guys are with us today. We're going to have a good time. Very, very excited. And uh, what I want to do now is I want to just take that one scripture I just read and basically break it down. Today's message is called Given to Us because a child was given to us. It wasn't just given to the world, but we are the people of God. And we, he, God gave us his son. He knew that we needed a savior, so he was given to us. So I just want to break it down if I can. And by the way, before we go any further in this message, I want you to know this is not some Christmas myth or fable. It is a historic fact that Christ was born into this world in fact, all the characters mentioned in the Christmas story are real. They're not fictional. And so, for example, Herod is a real king. You could go today to Israel. I don't recommend it because they're in a war. But if you were to, you could go to an area called Herodias. Herodias is the land in, in the area where Herod developed something just to pay homage to himself, which is very common to this day. People build buildings, put their own names on their buildings, right? So Herod did things like that as well. And so all of this is historically accurate information 
because Jesus is real. He was born into a real world and in real time in history. So let's dive right in. I want to break the scripture down if I can. I want to give you four simple things that were given to us when we receive Christ in our lives. The first thing is this. Would you write this down? He will guide you as your wonderful counselor. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just need a counselor. Sometimes I just need some, someone I can talk to, someone to help me out. Maybe you've been to counseling. I know I have. It's helped me out. Uh, sometimes I just need some, some clarity. need someone to, to bounce some ideas off of, to get my head straight, just to kind of work through some things. And so if you've ever had a good counselor, just remember that God is your wonderful counselor, which means what he has to share with you is amazing. In fact, look at Matthew chapter 2. There is a star that God puts up into the sky to lead the wise men to Jesus. What does a star do? It, uh, it illuminates the night. It's a, it's a light. This is why we put lights on our trees. This is why we put lights on our houses. You know, so we can, when we go look at the pretty lights, it, it should remind you that there was a star that was put up in the east to lead the wise men to the Savior. Well, God is still guiding us to this day. Look at the scripture. Matthew chapter 2 says this. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And so light guides us. Light leads us. It illuminates our steps. You know, light is the fastest thing in the world. Did you know that? Did you know that light travels at 186,000 miles per second? That is fast. That is incredibly fast. That's faster than my boys can eat their food. That's fast. And so I just want to encourage you to know that if you call on God in an instant, he is there for you. He is your wonderful counselor. Do you need counsel today? You need God to show you what to do? The next steps in your life, if you're confused, you need clarity, just stop and say, God, I need you to guide me. And he will do that. He is a wonderful counselor for all of us. He will guide you. Psalm 32 says this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. He is our wonderful counselor. I don't know about you, but I'm always coming in and out of a problem, right? Life is a series of problems. You're coming in a problem, you're in the middle of a problem, you're coming out of a problem. Maybe you're sitting next to a problem. Turn to the person next to you right now and say, you know what, you've been a problem. Just let them know right now. <laughs> right? You know, people can be weird. Did you know that? They say that one out of every three people are just weird. So look to your left if they're not weird. Look to your right if they're not weird. That means you're it. Sorry, just wanted to let you know that. So you got people in your life, you got problems, right? And so isn't it good to know that we have a wonderful counselor to help us through our problems, whether they're with people or maybe you got a legal battle you're in, maybe you've got a real serious issue you're facing with your family. God is your wonderful counselor to help you through all of that. The second thing I want to encourage you today is this. He will strengthen you as your mighty God. Isn't that good to know? He will strengthen you. It says in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1, In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is this child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. Homage just means uh, worship. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. So how powerful is Jesus? When Jesus was a baby, he scared and terrified the most powerful man in the land named Herod. How powerful are you when you are intimidating and scaring the most powerful man in the land and you are nothing but an infant? God is the most powerful 
being ever, and he gives you the power to change your life. He gives you the power to turn things around. He has turnaround power. He will help you in your life. Listen to these names. I want to give you some authors. Maybe you've heard of some of these people. Some of them are authors. Some of them are online personalities. What do all these people have in common? Here we go. Ready? Jay Shetty, Alex Hermosi, Tony Robbins, Gary Vee, David Goggins, Grant Cardone, Mel Robbins. What do all of them have in common? They can all teach you how to be successful, but none of them can give you the power to do it. That's where Jesus comes in. He doesn't just tell you how to live. He empowers you to live the life you're supposed to live. He gives you the power, the strength to do it. That is the difference between Christ and any other motivational speaker or teacher or author. He strengthens us. He helps us do it. All the self-help books in the world will tell you what to do. They just won't tell you how to access the power to do it. And so that's the difference between him and everyone else. There's a guy named Curtis Bradford. He tells a story. He's an older man now. He tells a story when he was young. He lived in North Carolina. And when he was just a little boy, years and years ago, decades ago, he uh, was so excited about Christmas Eve. He was up half the night, couldn't sleep, too excited. And uh, finally, eventually, everyone fell asleep. It was around 2 in the morning. He snuck downstairs on Christmas Eve night. He just couldn't resist. He got down there, and there were several gifts that were unwrapped waiting for him. One was a little cowboy hat, six-shooter, and a holster. He was so excited about that. He saw a little drum kit. He didn't dare play it. Didn't want to wake him up. But he did take the holster, and he pulled the gun out and was playing with it, put the cowboy hat on. And then he reached and got a stocking, and he saw some candy and started eating the candy. About that time, he looked up, and he saw his stern-looking father looking at him, and he thought, oh, I am dead, right? His father was looking at him angrily, but then his father changed his frown to a smile, sat down, and let him have a little Christmas showing. He said, show me your toys. And so they just had a little private time for about an hour. He played with his toys and showed his dad what the six-shooter could do and all the little toys he had. And eventually he fell asleep. And his dad scooped him up, took him back upstairs, and put him to bed. The next morning they had Christmas, and Curtis got all his gifts as if he'd never seen them before. And him and his dad are the only two people that knew about their private little Christmas showing. But even to this day, he says that that was one of the most special Christmas memories he ever had, which is him and his father. Fast forward 40 years. Now, Curtis is a grown man with his own children. And his father was now ailing. His father was in stage four of cancer. His body was racked with pain. He had lost all kinds of weight from the chemotherapy. He weighed about 90 pounds. And his father said to him, they had taken him in their home. His father said to him, I really want to see the kids open their Christmas gifts tomorrow morning. Can you take me downstairs for that? He said, of course, Dad. He said, but I, I want to look nicer than I look now. Can you give me a fresh shave? He said, of course, Dad, yeah. So Curtis got the razor out and lathered it up. And he came and slowly shaved his father. His dad told him which way to move the razor because he knew where his hairs were and how they grew. He shaved his father, wiped his face. Next morning came and he, he dressed his father in his best clothes he had. And then he picked up his 90-pound frail father, carried him downstairs and put him in a chair so he could watch the grandkids open their gifts. He only lasted about 15 minutes. He was in such pain. Finally, he said, can you take me back upstairs? He said, of course, Dad. And he scooped his father back up. And as he was walking upstairs with his father, it hit him that the thing that he remembered the most was years ago when his father had scooped him up and taken him to his bed. Two days later, Curtis's father passed. But Curtis said, you know what? 
I wasn't sad. I was at peace because of what Christ did for us. I knew that one day I'd see my dad again. You know, today may be a tough time for you because there's someone that you wish was with you. But because of what Christ did for us, paying the price for our sin, if we've received him, then we will see our loved ones again in heaven. Let that bring you peace today. Isn't that good? Just like Curtis had a good father, I've got a great father as well. And not everyone has that. So this next point can be tough for some people. But number three is that he will provide and protect you as an everlasting father. And this is a good father. Let me talk about this father for a second. Our heavenly father, let me tell you something about him. Unlike some of your situations, this father will never hurt you. This father will never leave you. This father will never wound you. This father will never raise a hand to you. Our heavenly father loves us. He's a good father for us. And a good father provides and a good father protects. I want to show you scripture. Matthew chapter 2 verse 10. It says, when they saw the star that had stopped, the wise men were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother. And they knelt down and paid him homage. They worshiped him. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, any time in the scripture when you see people face to face with God, they, they bring an offering, right? This is why we give gifts is based upon the scripture. We give gifts at Christmas time so we can remember that the wise men gave the best they had to Jesus. And so, but in this gift, I don't know if you knew this, but the gold that was given was enough to fund the trip for Mary and Joseph and Jesus to go back to Nazareth and also to fund what was needed for the circumcision event on the eighth day of every Jewish uh, born male. And so to fund all of that, God provided some wise men probably a month prior to even Jesus' birth that began to travel, which means God was providing for him even before they had a need. In the same way, if you have a need today, God will provide for you even before you even ask for it. Isn't that amazing? God is a provision for us. He takes care of us. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Also, God will protect us. Psalms 91 says this, His huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them, you're perfectly safe. He will provide and he will protect you like a good Good father. And the last one to me is probably the most important, honestly. Are you like me and you're just stressed a lot? Like there's just a lot of craziness going on in our world today. You might know what I'm talking about. So yesterday I made the mistake of going to HEB. <laughs> I saw you there, all 100,000 of you, I saw you there too. It was a madhouse. Not only did I make that mistake, I went to the super HEB. Have you been in this place? This is the Disney world of grocery stores. They have everything under the sun. I mean, and it was bumper to bumper people getting in the parking lot, then getting there, trying to get a basket and trying to move, maneuver your basket. I mean, it was crazy. And there's so much to buy there. Are you like me? You walk out with stuff you don't need. You know what I'm talking about? I went in there to buy some Dr. Pepper. I came out with a Ferris wheel. I don't know how it happened. It just, <laughs> there's so much there. You know I mean? It's, it's crazy, but it was just like this total madhouse, right? 
It's good to remember that God also, this is important, he will calm you because he's the prince of peace. Isn't it good to know that? He will calm us. Let me show you the scripture. Luke chapter two says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I love that line. Did you know the Bible says, do not be afraid or fear not 365 times? Which means there is not a day of the year as Christ followers that we should be afraid. Isn't that good? You don't need to be afraid about your future. You don't need to fear what's coming next. You know, I know we're about to go into an election year. Fear not, God's still in control. As crazy as that's all gonna be, as people are gonna be at each other's throats and, and now we've got wars breaking out around the world. God says, fear not. And so trust in the Lord. He says this, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. And so fear not. Now, did you know this scripture? I love this. There's, there's actually prophecy. There's great theology in the scripture. So the only sheep that were nearby in, in Bethlehem were sheep that, because I don't know if you know this about sheep, they, they smell really bad and they're really loud at night. So you don't want sheep next to your house. So they would never allow a shepherd to have his sheep near a neighborhood because it would keep you up all night. And so the only sheep nearby were watched by shepherds in the middle of the night to keep them quiet were the sheep that were used to sacrifice for the sins of the people by the temple. So when the angel showed up to these particular shepherds watching the sheep for the sacrifices, and he said, hey, leave these sheep and go find Jesus, the Messiah, what they were saying was, you can now leave the old sacrificial system where someone has to die for your sins and go meet the Lamb of God who came to die once and for all for all of our sins. Isn't that amazing? That's what it actually means. You know, another translation doesn't just say, do not be afraid or fear not. Another translation says, rest assured. Tonight, I hope and pray that when you lay your head down, you can rest assured that God has you assured that God knows what's going on in your marriage, assured that God has your child. Even when your child's making bad decisions, God still has them in the palm of his hands. You can rest assured that he knows about your legal issues. Rest assured he knows about the debt you need to pay off. Rest assured he knows about every problem in your life. God will take care of you. If he can hold the whole world in his hand, he can hold you in the palm of his hand and know that he has got you. Rest assured. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Look what David said in Psalms 27. David said this, though an army deploys against me, my heart is not afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I still am confident. You know, David wrote this when Saul and his army, he'd released his entire army, an entire army, thousands of men just to find David. David was a fugitive and the entire army was on the hunt just for one man. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had some bad days, but I've never had anyone deploy an army against me. That is a scary thing. And so he says, even if an army's coming after me, I am confident, God, that you will take care of me. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. Let God give you what I call confidence. Isn't that good? He wants to keep you calm in the middle of your storm. 
Calm in the middle of your crisis. Calm in the middle of your situation. He will give you calm fidence. Isn't that good? I just want to encourage you just to trust the Lord. Rest assured. Fear not. Do not be afraid. I love that. Now, years ago, and I mean decades ago, I was a lifeguard. I know you can tell by my body that clearly I had the lifeguard body. What are you laughing at? I still have a lifeguard body. I just kind of keep it tucked away now. It's still in there somewhere. Well, I was a lifeguard. And if you've ever been a lifeguard, you already know this, but lifeguards will tell you that someone who's drowning, you kind of have to let them stop struggling before you go and save them. Because if you're, if you're not careful, they'll drown you because they're just so panicked. So you have to let them stop trying and then eventually trust in you to bring them to shore, to bring them to safety, to bring them to the edge of the pool, right? And so that's really important. In the same way, we can't save ourselves. We can't. This is why God sent the Son. Now, we try. We try to save ourselves through drug use, alcohol. I mean, we think, oh, man, if I could just make some more money, then I'd be happy, then my soul would be satisfied if I just had the right relationship. Single people are like, if I could just get married, then everything would be great in my life. And married people are like, if I could just be unmarried, then everything would be great in my life, right? If I could just have kids and you have kids, you're like, if I just get the kids out of the house, you know. And so the point is we're, we're trying to save ourselves, trying to satiate, satisfy ourselves. But the best we can ever really do is soothe ourselves. But when, even when you soothe yourself, eventually the Netflix show is over and you still have your problems. The high comes down. The experience is over and you still have your problems. See, we can't save ourselves. So God is saying to you and me, stop trying to save yourself. Stop trying and start trusting and trust Jesus to save you. He came as a baby, but he died as a grown man on a cross for you and me. He paid the price for our sins, and then he waits for us to receive him in our lives. Would you bow your heads with me, every head bowed, every eye closed? You've been trying to save yourself lately, when really you realize all you're really doing is soothing yourself? What satiates, what satisfies our souls is a relationship with Jesus and nothing else will do it. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross. The reason we celebrate Christmas is because of what he did at Easter, that he gave his life on the cross. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never given your life to Christ, you can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. It's not complicated, it's not supposed to be. You don't have to join the church. You don't have to be religious and weird like your great aunt. None of that is necessary. You just have to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. Pray this prayer with me. We're going to say it out loud across all of our campuses. Just say this prayer. Just say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer and no one's looking around, would you lift your hand high right now if you just gave your life to Christ? Just hold your hand high. Thank you. Their hand's going up all across our churches. Praise God. Right here at broadcast. Hold your hand high all the way in the back. Thank you. We see your hands. Thank you. Right here in the front, too. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, young man. Thank you. Hold your hand high. Thank you. We see your hands. Hold your hand high. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Rodfield. Hold on hand high. Thank you, Stone Oak. Just hold your hand high. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Rockport Fulton. Thank you, Portland. 
Thank you, Padre Island. Hold those hands high. Praise God. We thank God for the decision you gave your life to Christ today. If you're online with us right now, you can let us know in the text chat. Just text my hands raised or click hand raised right now. We praise God for the decision you made to give your life to Christ. If you are in our prison ministry, it takes a little bit longer, but you can write us a letter and let us know that your hand was raised. We'll write you back. That's a promise. You write us a letter, we'll write you back. We praise God for the decision you made to give your life to Christ as well. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, thank you that you loved us so much. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Thank you for that son. Thank you, Jesus, that you came for us. Thank you for each person that gave their life to you today. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.